your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. The Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good morning, everyone. Welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of Thrive Time. I'm excited about today's show because our guests are going to deliver fantastic value, starting with our first guest. Our feature spotlight is none other than Ron Corning, one of the most recognizable faces in the news world, the TV news world. And here locally in Dallas, he is the host of the podcast Morning After and the talk show Morning After. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. I'm happy to be here. Ron, before we get before we dive into all the goodness you've got to share in your story, can you share a little bit about your journey with our listeners? Oh gosh, how do I boil that down? Um, <laughs> well, the thirty the thirty thousand foot view about my journey is really, and it feels like just yesterday I was that kid, that small town kid, sort mm-hmm. of finding my way in a small town, feeling like I was different and not knowing what that was about. Mm-hmm. And knowing that there was a big world out there beyond that small town, watching television, specifically interested in news magazine shows and the news of the day, maybe part of that was influenced by my my grandmother, who was particularly sort of plugged in, and my grandfather, who was not college educated, but self-taught and watching mm-hmm. Meet the Press on Sundays and had a real broad interest in the world. And I wanted to get out there and explore it for myself. And I held this dream very close and didn't share it with anybody that I wanted to be a traveling journalist who Mm. told other people's stories. I was always moved by learning about other people. But I also felt like it was someone else's dream. It was a pipe dream not to come true for me. Mm. And as I made my way through high school and began this journey to college, which was very much on my on my own, because again, having two parents who hadn't gone to college, they encouraged it, but didn't know exactly how to make it happen. So I figured that out on my own. And once I got to that college environment, which was just outside Boston, I had entered as a pre-med student and I went to a seminar for the Filene Center for Work and Learning on the campus of Wheaton College, this small liberal arts, liberal school outside of Boston. And they used as an example a psychology major who was also interested in journalism. And so they had put her together with Leslie Stahl, an alumni of the school Mm -hmm. in Washington to learn about journalism and see if maybe someday she might bring her interest for psychology into the world of journalism. Maybe she'd be a writer, maybe she'd be a reporter uh, and draw on her expertise or interest in psychology. And I thought, I see myself in that. Mm. And I'm at a place where I don't have to be ashamed to say, I want to take this journey. So I went straight to the Filene Center for Work and Learning. And with no shame, I said, I'm really interested in pursuing a career in journalism. Can you help me? And the answer was, of course we can. Mm. Come sit down. Mm -hmm. Let's get started. In that first winter break, my freshman year in college, um, I became an intern at WJAR, the NBC affiliate in Providence, Rhode Island. And, And really... It took off from there. There were many other steps along the way, but I felt confident and comfortable while also dealing at times with great insecurity coming from a small town, mm-hmm. thinking I'd bitten off more than I can chew, but I kept on the journey and I, and I kept going and I've had a remarkable career and remarkable experiences along the way. Now, one of the things you just said, it's, it's so, it, it's, it's the, it epitomizes 
champions and thrivers. But that's what this whole show is about. You grew up in a small town, so you had small town exposure. Yes. But you had big city ambitions. Yeah, that's that's a good analogy. Right? Yeah. And so how does that happen? How does someone who is right now currently experiencing a small town mindset, mm. but yet they're able to convince themselves that they can play in the big city? How does that happen? Well, I feel like, and not even by design, I, maybe in a, loosely I thought, I can't go to a school in a big city. I'm a small town guy, but I can go to school at a smaller school outside a big city Mm. that provides opportunity. And even that, of course, is a brand new and foreign experience to leave home as an only child close to your parents and live in a dorm room and meet new, new kids. I didn't have those experiences. I didn't have summer camp experiences. And again, back to my earlier point, I'd always felt like I was a bit of a loner. Okay. Um, I was an extrovert to a degree, but I also felt different, so I felt alone. Mm-hmm. I was more academic when the school really raised up those who were athletic. Um, I later, of course, would realize that I wasn't straight. I was gay, and maybe that explained why I didn't quite adapt in every social situation in high school where there were conversations around dating. That, mm-hmm. to me, was something I didn't want to touch because I didn't want to reveal that about myself, and I didn't know for sure if that's what I was dealing with. So for all those reasons, I still left to an environment that was very different. And I was also from a working class family now amid a bunch of other kids who came from affluence, Mm -hmm. who had more opportunity, whose educations were more robust. They were more prepared for college than I was. So I quietly met those challenges and overcame those hurdles and just thought, you know, For every problem, there's a solution. That's right. And I also realized that it's okay to ask for help or guidance. Mm -hmm. And I have to say this too. There were people who took me in. There were people who guided me along the way. The work-study program that I was in was was at the planned giving office for the school, which forged relationships with graduates and helped them with their financial campaigns and their fundraising campaigns. And the woman who ran that office had a young daughter, had a son about my age, and she took me in outside of school, invited me to her home for dinners with the family when I couldn't get home for Thanksgiving. So there's a lot to be said for accepting the love and kindness of others Mm -hmm. who take an interest in you. And that's the other thing. People take an interest sometimes in you in ways that you never imagined, and you have to accept it. You know, you mentioned a bunch of experiences you had, which I call them watershed moments, mm. right? So what would you say, looking back, since we're all looking back right now. We are. What would you say <laughs> would be the watershed? Those files are opening. Oh, boy, like, yeah, oh, there's kid, that and I see it. I see the light bulbs. It's all over the place. <laughs> the, the, uh, that storehouse of memories is yes. wide open right now. So what would you say then would be the watershed moments that you can recall that had the most impact in your personal life and mm. also in your professional life? My personal life, the watershed moment, and it's a story you're familiar with because I spoke of it at the event where we met, the You Can Live Again event, was the traumatic brain injury that my mother suffered when I was 14. Um, It was a watershed moment in many ways. It was a sudden, tragic turn of events that robbed her of a lot and robbed us as a family of a lot. And it's a family of three. I'm an only child. And I was very close to her. 
And I found myself as she recovered, and it was a long road to recovery, helping her learn to read and write again, mourning the loss of who she was, while also coming to really, really savor that in many ways she was the same and I hadn't lost her entirely Mm because she could have died. Mm -hmm. And born out of that was encouragement from her from the very moment that she recaptured her sense of self. She never lost what it means to be a mother. She put that first and always told me, life is short, go to college, have... Pursue whatever you want to pursue. Life is too short. She knew that. And that was always kind of the foundation on which I built everything was, was her love and encouragement. And on your professional life, I know that you've had different uh, experiences, different things, different curveballs that have come at you. Before mm. we go to break, and we can pick it up after the break if we need to, what have been those watershed moments that have made you who you are today as a professional? I think the watershed moment in my relatively recent life and career was probably in the spring of 2008, about two years into a job as the anchor of Good Day New York Mm -hmm. at the Fox station in New York. And I felt like at 34, 35 years old, what a remarkable opportunity to think I've come this distance in a matter of 10 years, a little more than 10 years. And a lot of great things were coming out of that, anchoring that three-hour live Good Day New York on the Fox affiliate. And when that went away, unexpectedly, it left me with a lot to think about. When we come back after the break, we're going to pick up right there because that requires then sometimes for us to reinvent ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's an ongoing process. And that's happening a lot today because of the pandemic. People are pivoting. But most don't understand the value of reinvention. I know you do. So we're going to talk about that after the break. Hey, everyone, this is Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I just want you to know that my book, my 10th book, is finally available, Thrivology, action-stoking and thought-provoking quotes and phrases is now available for your purchasing pleasure. This book has already making tidal waves among those who appreciate content that is driven to give you a thrive-minded mentality and also reminders throughout the course of the week of the things you need to do to thrive. Guys, you can pick up my book, Thrivology, at thejmaney.com. Hi, my name is Alicia Bush, and I'm the founder of Treasured Vessels Foundation right here in Dallas, Texas. TVF is an anti-trafficking organization devoted to providing a long-term safe place for healing and growth to individuals impacted by trauma from exploitation and sex trafficking. We provide food, shelter, education, and mental health care for survivors. Check us out at treasuredvesselsfoundation.org. That website again is treasuredvesselsfoundation.org. Hi, I'm Emmett Smith, Pro Football Hall of Famer and three-time champion. Dallas's own Emmett Smith talks about joint pain. Trust me, I know about joint pain. Sure, I made it look easy, but if my body could speak, it would say, I'm in pain. Are you living with chronic joint pain? Knees, hips, lower back, shoulders? Don't just assume the old treatments are the only treatments. I've gone under the knife to get rid of pain, but now there are options, and you need to check them out. Emmett's talking about QC Kinetics, exciting new natural biologic therapies that can repair and restore damaged tissue in your joints. New options now available here. You can encourage your body to actually heal itself with the help of QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics, now available in DFW. Real relief with no 
surgery, no downtime. Call the local medical professionals at QC Kinetics for regenerative restorative treatments with lasting relief. But now, you and I, we have help. QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics, 972-972-8610. 972-972-8610. 972-972-8610. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Having a fantastic conversation in studio with the one and only Ron Corning talking about reinvention. Mm. We left off in our last segment, Ron, uh, really thinking about how thrivers today, they have to be flexible and they also have to be willing to reinvent themselves. That's something that you've done in your career many times. What advice would you share with those that need to consider this idea of reinventing? Well, it's interesting because I think I was too defined by what I did and not who I was. Mm. And it's because so much of my time and energy and so many of the sacrifices I've made over the years, traveling to various markets, taking on jobs and giving up holidays and giving up time with family because I was so myopically focused on success as it's measured in, in television that when I lost that job, that big job that could have been, if not a lifetime job, certainly a great place to be to create other opportunities in the business out of New York, being on the air, et cetera. When I lost that, I really had to come to terms with what that meant because part of me felt like that's as good as it's ever going to get and it's gone. And I was so mired down in all that that brings, which is depression, Mm -hmm. feeling like nothing I'd done really counts for anything when one person decides they want somebody else in your seat. And I had to get out of my own way mm-hmm. in order to move forward. And I had to find happiness elsewhere. And when I began to find happiness elsewhere, I told myself, I will never be defined again by what I do. I'll be defined by other things. Mm. And I think there were some people who were much better at that. I have women friends of mine. I think women are better at that than men. Okay, Women can can put their life in perspective and say, Okay, that didn't work out, but I've got my health. I've got my children. I've got my family. People love me. There are joy there there are joys to be found in other things. So that's where it began for me. It wasn't about I got a better job, I made as much money. It was where's my mindset that will allow me to move forward and I may not necessarily have that conventional high profile morning anchor job, but I can still contribute. I can still make a living. I can still have meaningful relationships, and I don't have to be defined by that. You know, I think that's a great point, I, and I believe that people get caught into that trap where they're defined by what they do, not by who they are. And the challenge is that if you get stuck in that place, you're not going to be very much open to reinventing yourself. So when new opportunities present themselves that don't line up with who you think that you should be, you're going to turn them down. They could be a blessing, right? Mm-hmm. There was a woman that I met that I used to interview regularly on the overnight show at ABC for the early morning newscast. And when the job at Fox went away, out of nowhere, she called me and said, what are you doing next? How are you feeling about the business? Would you consider coming to work for me? And she had at the time a fairly progressive business model. And that was a website that was dedicated to small business entrepreneurship And she did a daily sort of newscast around uh, small business ownership and and reaching that community. And one of the first websites that ever streamed live video, sbtv.com, small business television. 
and that was 2009. Mm. And I remember thinking, who's going to be watching videos online? Well, here we are. I mean, she was ahead of the curve, and I clearly was not. But that opportunity was, for me, an opportunity to really recognize, I have these skill sets. They are transferable. Right. I'm able to take my ability to storytell and find personal stories, and in some cases, inspirational personal stories of success in small business, and help create this website. And I was managing a team of 14 people and I found a lot of joy in that. And so to my earlier point, I had to open my mind Mm -hmm. to the opportunity, experience it and begin to connect the dots and say, all right, there's a whole other world out here and I can be part of it. Uh, And it doesn't have to be, again, that conventional media job for me to feel like I'm contributing in a meaningful way. And and getting a lot out of it as well. Now, one of the things I always tell people is I, I hate the phrase, stick to your lane, stay in your own lane, because I, I think part of that problem with that is not only do you miss out on the opportunities that the other lanes can bring, but I always tell folks, it's not stick to your lane, it's stick to the highway, because every every lane represents another expression of who you are, mm-hmm. another opportunity to express who you really are. And in this case, storyteller at heart, Right. Well, that that experience, that person who you are can be expressed in multiple different ways. As long as you stay on the highway, you can create multiple different lanes, which creates multiple different experiences of who you're called to be. And I'm going to add to the analogy, if you don't mind. Go for it. Let's do it. Sometimes it's okay to take a detour. Yes. You may come back to that lane, but the scenic route mm-hmm. may provide an experience you never imagined. Or you may get off an exit and decide this two-lane road can be four lanes and you're going to build it. That's right. And you're going to bring other people north when you were going west. I mean, I know it sounds ethereal and it's all you know, heady and all those things. Mm-hmm. But no, I think that's that's really true. But we do get caught up in this notion. Here's what I do. Here's what I'm good at. And there may come a point where that road gets a little rocky, mm-hmm. where you get crowded out of your lane. It's not your highway anymore. That's right. What direction do you have to go? Right. Always keep an eye out for the off-ramp. Yeah. Always keep an eye out for the that's off-ramp. The, that's the uh, title of your next book. <laughs> keep an eye out for the off-ramp. Hey, I'm going to start working on when I get back today, man. <laughs> hey, speaking about interviews, you've interviewed a lot of people in your career. Who would you say are the most memorable uh, individuals that you've interviewed that have made the most impression uh, in your life? Well, that's an interesting one. Um, because there, I could tell you about some crazy interviews. Carmen Electra one time came on good day, New York. It was a disaster. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She was not having a good time of it for reasons that we weren't even aware, but, uh, we had been uh, complicit in it in ways we didn't even understand, but she showed up in a bad mood and it was partly our fault, um, unwittingly. And we were confronted with that. On live television, that was interesting. I think meaningful people that I've interviewed, interestingly enough, are people that nobody really knows Mm -hmm. outside of the small communities where I worked and interviewed them. Mm. I worked in 1993, my very first job in Clarksburg, West Virginia, and I was tasked with covering the coal miners' strike. And I was invited into the homes of people who were suffering, frankly. They were suffering with no work. They were suffering with no health care. And I told their stories, gave them a voice, and remember thinking, this is what this business is all about. Mm -hmm. It's really understanding the plight of other people. 
in terms of those celebrities, big name people that I've interviewed, you know, Tyler Perry, I did a half hour special with him. I'm the only person that he sat down to interview with when he was in town. I interviewed him on stage for Genesis Women's Shelter for their fundraising event. And then we went behind the scenes for another interview. And I really appreciated how he let his guard down and let me ask some questions I think that were personal and Mm -hmm. questions that you know, might otherwise have been rejected had they not been asked by people in his inner circle, like mm-hmm. Gail King or Oprah. And I thought that's really gracious of him to allow that. But I've always felt like you can ask almost anything of anyone mm-hmm. if it's done with the right intention. That's right. And if they understand that you're asking the question for a real purpose that could benefit others, not just to be nosy. Right? And I agree. I, I've I've had some great folks on this show, and I've asked some questions that afterwards they've said to me, Jay, I've never been asked that question, but I felt comfortable enough to answer. Isn't that a great compliment? It's a wonderful compliment, man. I mean, right off the back, that tells me I'm on the right track. I was going to, you literally, you stole the thought out of my head. What that tells you is I'm in the right place. Right. Because right. if it were feeling awkward or if you weren't being invited in, you were hitting a wall with people you'd have to start to question okay why why is this not feeling right why is this not working that's exactly right and those are those red flags that we need to pay attention to sometimes in our last couple of minutes we you've we've mentioned individuals you've interviewed but what about stories what stories have you've covered that have changed the way you see the world again going back to stories that i covered very early on that were emotional Mm-hmm. that hit close to home, others that enlightened me in ways I never imagined. I remember going up to cover a missing woman. Her name was Ruth Loader, and she lived on a farm north of Steubenville, Ohio, between Cleveland and Steubenville, Ohio. And I remember being one of many reporters who showed up. Many were turned away. For some reason, I connected with them in a way that they invited me in to her home or her glasses were on the nightstand where she laid out her medications Mm -hmm. and she was gone. And it turns out that she was kidnapped by two young men who went on a cross country crime spree that then began to gain national attention. And I stayed close to that family because I identified with them in so many ways. Their grandmother reminded me of my grandmother. Mm. I told their story in a way that respected her respected them, the emotional impact of it, and ultimately might have even helped bring to justice the the two guys who were later arrested in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So that stands out, covering the Pulse nightclub shooting down in Orlando. Oh, yeah. They sent me there the mm-hmm. morning of. Mm. I was there at the hospital as family members showed up. Some of them received joyous news that their loved ones were, were okay, and others received the worst kind of news. Yeah. So when you're in the middle of that human experience— um, I feel like you don't want to exploit it mm-hmm. and you want to be able to tell stories that really capture what this, what these events really mean, not just individually, but what does it mean collectively about gun violence and protecting our loved ones when they go out to a nightclub and they're mm-hmm. just there with their friends mm-hmm. and, a, and a, and a turn in, in the gay world where, there were young men and women there with their mothers and their fathers, mm-hmm. with their family members mm-hmm. who were their straight allies. Right. I mean, that's a real shift and a change in our, in our, in our culture. 
Well, I appreciate you being on the show and sharing your heart, sharing your wisdom, but I can't let you go before you give a golden nugget of advice <laughs> to that young, budding reporter journalist that wants Run. to break. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, folks. Golden nuggets of wisdom from Ron Corning. Run. <laughs> no, run Run into it if it's your passion. But understand it comes with great sacrifice. And the business is changing. And we don't know what direction it's going to go. A lot of the higher That's paid right. jobs aren't paying as much anymore. A lot of the reporters of my generation who are able to focus solely on telling a really meaningful story are spread thin, covering multiple things a day. Mm -hmm. So the business is changing, but at its core, we hope is honesty right. and truth. Correct. And just because you don't like the truth doesn't make it fake. That's right. It means you don't like it. That's right. And I think journalists today are facing in some respects a real uphill battle in in convincing people that they're there to be truth tellers and not spread propaganda. I agree. Ron, it's been awesome having you in the station today. You've got an open mic here, brother, anytime you want it. We're going to ask you to come back again and again to continue to deliver some It's the same on my show. I, I really want to reciprocate because your messaging and your approach and what you do here I think is really meaningful. I appreciate you, brother. Folks, we're going to be right back after the break. Hey everyone, this is Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I want you to know that my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course from Novice to Ninja now is available. If you are an entrepreneur, a business owner, or have a sales-oriented career, and if your skill sets need improvement, if you are struggling with the areas that matter most, how to convert someone from a prospect to a customer or a client, then your sales skills need to be improved. Go visit thrivesalesmastery.com and learn more about this fantastic course. Okay, I'm totally into this glow stick. I'm a 51-year-old who could never lose weight. But what if I told you one stick a day could melt the fat away? Well, I was shocked when I lost 9 pounds in 13 days and 2 inches off the waist on an all-natural plant. First time in history with clinically proven results for sleep and weight. Results may not be typical, but for me, I was super excited. I want to be your independent lease ambassador. Contact me for a free stick today at glowbylee.com. Hi, this is President Donald J. Trump. Bill O'Reilly and I are looking forward to seeing you at the American Airlines Center in Dallas on Sunday, December 19th for the Trump O'Reilly History Tour. This show will be fun. It's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime event. Tickets make great Christmas gifts. You can get them at Ticketmaster. We'll see you there. We're going to have a great time. The History Tour with Donald J. Trump and Bill O'Reilly, December 19th at the American Airlines Center. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It, it was, was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions, like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could, could I, I have, have EPI? EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie. KLIF. 
Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. About to have a fantastic conversation about what I believe is one of the areas that most people are unaware of. And it may seem dry and crusty, this conversation about taxes and new tax plan changes and the Biden tax plan. And, you know, here we are as part of our thriving you in 22. But there are certain areas that you need to be aware of that uh, can affect your ability to thrive in one way or another. And I'm a big proponent of knowing how money works, especially when it comes to the areas of taxes. Not sexy, but incredibly important. And it's rare to find a tax professional that can be lively and entertaining and have a great personality like Adam Cohen from Jack Lotterman CPA firm in Arlington. But he's with us today in the studio to help us address how do we prepare so we can thrive in what I believe is an area that's important, and that's in the tax planning area because there's some changes that are coming up that we need to know about. So, Adam, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Jay. I'm really excited to be here. I'm glad to speak to you and your audience about thriving, succeeding, and hopefully avoiding some of these increases in tax. All right. Well, that's why you're here. Before we dive into all the goodness that I want you to share with our audience today, I I, I wanted to see if you could share with us a little bit about you and a little bit about the practice. Sure, sure. So the practice has been around since 1988. Uh, Jack is native to Arlington, but he's from South Africa. Mm. And he's he's a great CPA. He's been in the industry for a long time. Uh, Myself, I started 14 years ago actually working in tax law firms, dealing with litigation. And that gave me kind of a background that made me look at taxes from a different perspective than perhaps your regular accountant and tax manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that Jack Lotterman has been around since 1988. He's very popular. I've, I, I've known of him. I certainly have heard great things of the firm. Uh, that's the reason why you're on the show representing the firm. Uh, it's important to have quality individuals on the program. But you're also local here in DFW. True. Right? You yes. are a longstanding staple of uh, financial work here in, in, uh, in DFW. But you're not limited to just doing work here uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. My understanding is that you have clients all over the world. That's true. South Africa, Italy, UK, and all throughout the United States. Wonderful. All right. So let's talk about this. Why are so many people concerned about the Biden tax plan, which is supposed to take effect now in January? Right. The proposed legislation is on the table, still being worked out. Uh, President Biden would like this thing to be passed by Friday. I think that's ambitious. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's going to happen. The legislation has changed many times. It continues to change. It's very fluid. And we're looking at some very drastic changes to how the tax laws are administered, how we're all impacted individually, both as as, uh, employees and as small business owners. Heck, our our retirement accounts are potentially going to be changed, how they're taxing those. And some of the things that are coming out of the administration are are quite frankly very frightening. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it requires some planning, being Mm -hmm. very strategic about what we're going to do, especially for our high net worth individuals. You know, one of the things that I, I I know because I've been in financial work for 30 years, uh, Adam, is, and it's 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 just, it, it is what it is, what I'm about to say. Most people don't pay attention. That's true. <laughs> and that's for a number of reasons. We're busy. We've got families we're raising. We're pursuing the next project. And, and there's certain things that we don't want to think about, don't like to think about, and quite frankly, don't understand. So why bother thinking about them? Absolutely. <laughs> and this is one of those areas. But it's important because it will affect people. In one way or another. So let's talk about that. How will this potential tax plan affect most people? 
And uh, who's going to end up paying more in taxes? Because we know that's part of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the one of the major components of this is a change in how the tax brackets work. Anyone, uh, the the line from the administration was anyone over four hundred thousand dollars a year in adjusted gross wasn't going to see, or anyone below that rather was not going to see any kind of increase in their tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing now that for single individuals up to four hundred thousand, that is true. But now the married individuals, mm. joint income, if you're over four fifty, well, you're going to see a pretty drastic increase. Your top marginal rate's going to be almost forty percent. Wow. That's just the income tax. Now they're talking about, especially if you're, you know, self-employed, mm-hmm. you're going to have an additional potential three point nine percent investment tax. It's mm-hmm. going to get tacked on top of that. And it used to be that if you were actively involved in this business, no, you wouldn't have this extra tax. Now they're throwing that on top. Uh, that's part of the proposed legislation. Could be very hefty, very hefty. Yeah, the problem with that is that doesn't factor in state taxes. That's true. Right? Now, I know here in, in Texas, which is one of the reasons I moved here, <laughs> we don't have that problem. That's right. God bless Texas. Yeah, God bless Texas is right. But when I lived in New York, that was a big problem. Oh, yeah. And in many, many of the states, I know they're seeing also increases in their own tax rates. Uh, so you, you couple that with the with potential federal tax rate increase. You're talking about a big chunk of a person's income uh, going to taxes. Yeah, Oh, yeah. Well, and, and keep in mind, right, we're talking about what currently is law is is almost 11 uh, and 11.7 million dollars of your estate is excluded from taxation. That seems like a lot. But when you're 85 years old and you've accumulated a business which was thriving, mm-hmm. you've accumulated retirement accounts, investments, some property, maybe you have a couple rentals, you could very easily be uh, you know, approaching $6 million. Mm-hmm. And that is something you want transferred to your family. Well, what the Biden tax plan is currently proposing is to cut that exclusion in half down to just over $6 million. Mm-hmm. Easily, you could reach that and exceed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some planning points that can be done. Now, they very well could do away with these as well. We currently utilize various types of trusts, mm-hmm. and these trusts can also be yanked out from under us. Right. That's one of the things they're talking about. Right. Uh, but that's another way to shelter uh, this for the benefit of your family and your heirs. And it's a consideration that we've got to give a lot of thought to. You know, speaking about that, that, that deals with a state. Yes. Right? So one of the things I read, and, and you know, in New York— at least I didn't meet too many farmers. <laughs> I don't know if there are any farmers in here. There could be. I'm, I'm sure there are, but uh, I didn't see them in, the, in the Spanish Harlem where I grew up. Uh, so, But out here, there's a ton of farmers out here. Yes. And one of the conversations that I continue to hear, and again, me not having knowledge, prior knowledge to that whole farming uh, industry, but I'm hearing a lot of farmers, a lot of landowners who own farm are starting to reposition their land and their their properties and their assets into a trust mm-hmm. for the very same reason. Can you elaborate how that works? Yeah, the uh, the idea behind it, of course, is you've got this appreciating asset. You've bought farmland. Let's say you bought it at one and a half million dollars, and you're using it to raise up your cattle. Well, if you farm and ranch for thirty years, by the time you get ready to retire, and maybe you're uh, you're looking to transfer this this farm and its uh, assets onto your family, there's a very high likelihood that this thing's appreciated and valued 10, 20 fold, mm-hmm. you know, as, as urban sprawl continues. So it, you look at the, uh, 
the ways that we can move this asset out of a person's name is when they buy this, instead of putting it into their personal name or into a business name, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of these farmers or ranchers, what they're doing is they're buying it into uh, a particular kind of trust. There's, there's a lot of them that are utilized depending mm-hmm. upon what they're looking for. But there's a code section 678 trust is a big one mm-hmm. that um, Biden's looking to try to get rid of. And you put the asset into this and it grows tax-free and you're able to move it into your, your children's name upon your demise uh, tax-free. And it's, it's a beautiful tool. And that's what I'm seeing a lot of ranchers go for. Yeah, and that's amazing because most people, I would, I would say, aren't aware of the options they do have, at least for the moment. Right. But speaking about options, let's talk about what the individuals and companies right now, they're here in this show, maybe they're sort of thinking about this, they've seen or have read something online about this potential tax changes that, are, that are, could, be, uh, could affect them. What questions should they be asking? What should they be looking to do to become prepared and more aware of what's around the corner? Yeah, that's a that's a real good question. Uh, so the questions I'd ask myself if I was in that situation are, you know, what do I do to control the value of my estate so that my heirs are getting more of what I'm trying to leave to them and they're getting the most value out of it? Uh, and do I have a tax plan in place now to control the impact of these proposed increases and and the the taxes as they stand now. And the vast majority of people don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just don't understand the value of it or they don't even know that it's an option. Uh, but that would be where I'd start. And then the next question I'd have is, is my business structure set up in the most advantageous way that I'm able to save for retirement, that I'm able to build that wealth that I'm trying to give to my family, that I'm able to you know, grow the company and, and help my family succeed going forward generationally. Now, I understand that there is also uh, on the table tax consequences or tax changes to an individual's 401k. Potentially, yes. Okay. Yeah. One of the the thoughts, and, and actually there's several regarding retirement plans, is uh, the, the most recent one I heard was potentially doing away with Roth IRAs and really? Roth, Roth 401ks. Wow. Yes. I hope that is not the case. No, I hope not either. Yeah. Uh, the other is potentially taxing uh, the value of large dollar 401ks. Now, the amount of that continues to change, but mm-hmm. you know, we've heard $10 million. Same thing with IRAs. They're looking at if you're over $10 million, you're not, not only are you potentially going to be taxed on what's the value, but you're potentially going to be taxed on if you try to put more money into it, or they're going to say, you can't put any more money into your retirement account. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to step up how quickly you have to start taking distributions from this account. So the IRA and potentially the 401k, they're going to become less and less good tools uh, if they pass this legislation as it's currently written. I tell you what, if they do away with the Roth IRA, mm-hmm. that would be very detrimental to a lot of people. Yeah. And it just takes off the table another resource to be able to accumulate dollars where you can have that that knowing that uh, it's tax-free growth. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary, she just came out and said, you know, we ought to consider taxing uh, unrealized gains, capital gains. I, I don't understand that How mindset. Can that even, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, of course, they say they're target billionaires, but- mm-hmm. As we well know, uh, these have a trickle-down effect, and they impact everybody. Sure. Right. It starts somewhere, and then just continues to migrate like a virus. Right. That's exactly (laughs) right. So we're talking about these tax changes that can take place. Supposedly, they're looking uh, at the beginning of the year, 
right? But you mentioned right. that's not set in stone. Correct. What could delay that? I mean, what's? I know it's a moving target. Sure. Well, it's all politics, of course, and, okay. and the the negotiations back and forth will be the biggest thing, and and whether or not President Biden feels like he's gotten what he's ultimately wanting to get out of this deal, because mm-hmm. there's more to it than simply the tax changes. This is a large bill. Uh, they call it the uh, the Build Back Better Act, uh, mm-hmm. incorporated in that is a large portion of Biden's tax plan. Um, I am thinking that. Even if they were to suddenly, Congress and, and the Senate were able to, or the House and the Senate were suddenly able to come to a, to a reconciliation on this thing, you're probably looking at a delayed implementation into the first or second quarter of next year. Okay. But that may even be ambitious. Right, right. So in our final minute here, um, Adam, how is Jack Lottery CPA firm, where you're the tax manager of, how is your firm going to continue to to bring further awareness to not only individuals but the business owners about the new tax changes? What are you doing to bring awareness to them? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, what we do is we have a monthly newsletter that we send out to all of our clients that says, hey, here's what we know about. Here's what looks like is going to happen. And included in that are various strategies we're recommending. We are also speaking individually with clients we know are going to be impacted. Mm-hmm. When we're meeting with potential clients, we're taking cues on, hey, is this person potentially going to be impacted as well? And then we're meeting with these uh, these potential clients and existing clients on a somewhat regular basis. We're trying to do this once a month to get together for uh, face-to-face uh, uh, talks with a group of folks about this is a big issue that we need to talk about and uh, trying to keep in touch with them. Okay. So where can people track uh, the firm down to get more information and maybe have uh, you work on their services? Well, absolutely. Give me a call. That's the first and foremost. We're at 817-231-0666. So I know 0666. That sounds like tax devils, <laughs> but I promise we're good. And then uh, you can find us online at uh, dfwtaxteam.com, dfwtaxteam.com. Adam, we appreciate you being on the show today. Appreciate you having me, Jay. It's good talking with you. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Hey, everyone. This is Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I want to encourage you to attend the third annual Veterans Appreciation Lunch sponsored by Fellowship Power Lunch. It is happening November 16th from 1130 to 1. Doors open at 11 at the Embassy Suites in Frisco. Our veterans do so much. Let's give back by helping these veterans and supporting them. Admission is free for veterans and their spouses. Go to fellowshippowerlunch.com to register and for more information. Have you gotten behind on your personal or payroll taxes due to COVID-19? I'm Adam Cohen, Tax Resolution Manager at Jack Lauderman CPA. The collection arm of the IRS has resumed enforcement action. You may have received demand letters threatening liens or levies. Our firm specializes in resolving complex tax problems. There are options available. Go to txcpaoffice.com and schedule a free, no-obligation consultation. That's txcpaoffice.com. Forget about Black Friday or Cyber Monday. DFW Security is declaring their famous Black November. Get DFW Security's best deal of the year on a three-camera package. Get DFW Security's smart hub and security system, plus any three cameras. Control your home or business with their award-winning mobile app. Those self-installed Tinker Toys online can compare to DFW Security's advanced technology. Call DFW Security to get your three-camera package. Two on or dfwsecurity.com. Welcome back to Thrive Time. 
with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In studio today, we've got our business spotlight that I'm excited about because I believe a thriving you in 22 has to do with how you feel about yourself in the areas of your health and your wellness and your ability to look at yourself in the morning and say, I'm looking pretty good. That's a part of thriving that's going to be hopefully in your radar for 2022. And we brought in someone today as a business spotlight that's going to talk a little bit about that. So I'm excited to announce today our business spotlight is Lee Barnes. She is the genius behind Glow by Lee. Lee, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Jay. I'm honored to be here today. Awesome. Well, before we dive into the knowledge and the goodness you're going to share with our audience, can you share a little bit first about yourself? Well, I'm you know, by the, my crazy Southern voice, you're going to hear. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, and actually uh, grew up there, the home of Elvis, and loved it, loved right. it, loved it, loved the humidity. Mm-hmm. But when I moved to Texas, it was like, never go back. <laughs> I love it. But I've got two kids and been married 30 years to the love of my life and feel like I've been a survivor. I think mm-hmm. I'm a 30-year uh, serial entrepreneur because of every company I've ever built. I've done extremely well, mm-hmm. but I've struggled, mm-hmm. ups, downs, like anything else. And I think you just take every day and it's part of your book and it's part of your journey that's right. to help others. That's and that's right. what you do today on the show. You do that's that right. every day. All right. Your life is a testimony, isn't it? I, it is. And I, I could write many, many books. Absolutely. Now, <laughs> what about, not to do, maybe. Yeah, right. What not to do, right? <laughs> I think I got a better not to do. <laughs> now, you, you're a cancer survivor. I am uh, shocked at okay. age 35. Okay. Uh, at the time, I had a brokerage firm, and I had a very successful business in Nashville at the mm-hmm. time. And we um, found the lump when I was nursing my one-year-old. Mm. And I had a seven-year-old, and I think that devastating of stage three, aggressive and rare, and they didn't know if I had three to six months to live. Wow. And my life just went from didn't know what the next day was going to look like to literally writing what my children should see and hear when they got married. Mm. And when you do that, your whole life changes. That's right. You take every day, not for granted. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, went through it, survived 16 years, blessed to have incredible doctors and people who took care of me. But if I knew what I knew today about cannabinoids and research, mm-hmm. I definitely think I would have had a much better fighting chance. Well, that's one of the things we're going to talk about. And I I guess that's probably one of the reasons why you're so excited about what you do. But what inspired you to launch Glow by Lee? Well, it started out because of being a female at the age of 51, everything kind of falls apart. I don't know what Mm -hmm. it is. The the back end gets bigger. The (laughs) hips don't go exactly the way they were. The spanks don't fit the same way. And your libido, you don't feel good. Your energy's down, your cognitive's slower. And a friend of mine told me she was playing tennis. She was mm-hmm. taking some CBD products. And I'm like, okay, sign me up. I'll try it. Mm-hmm. And it was the nastiest stuff I've ever put in my mouth. <laughs> and I told my friend, I go, I can't take it. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. And uh, fast forward um, about two, two, three months later, I had another friend from a pharmacy call me. And he said, hey, we're looking at putting some products into our offices and I said well it's snake oil I said I hate that stuff and he goes no you just got a bad one Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of bad ones Mm -hmm. and I think most people are not educated neither was I okay and once you get educated you'll never go back that's right that's (laughs) right once you know how something works truly works right it changes the way you see things it changes the way you think about things and your actions certainly follow thereafter but what do you find because you you speak to people all the time I see you out and about here in Dallas 
and you're talking to folks all the time, and obviously you've got people experience 30 years being in the people business. What do you find, though, today is the common challenge that many people are facing when they're trying to uh, lose weight, uh, sort of have this weight reduction experience, feel better about themselves? What's the common challenge that people are facing with that? I think it's twofold. Mm -hmm. I think it's one, it's mental. I think there's so much about this. I've tried this. I've tried that. It doesn't work. Uh And when you see something like an all-natural plant change a life, and it's not just me. It's hundreds of stories overnight. You just can't help it. And you know hope is the biggest problem because if you go to the gym and you work out and you eat right and you're wanting to eat the couch when you get home three months later, it's not good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I've been there. Mm -hmm. And I've struggled you know, for years and to see something so natural come into my life just in the last two weeks and to lose it instantly and not have those cravings of sugar and carbs at mm-hmm. night. And uh, for many of us, we're emotional eaters. You know, we eat stress we because we're um, scared, we're stressed with job situation and children. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of mental issues with weight loss and it's depressing. Mm -hmm. You know, think about it. You look in the mirror every day and you see that big bulge around your stomach or you don't look as pretty in your beautiful clothes. You're not going to portray yourself well to your clients, your customers, anybody. So if you can change that Mm -hmm. with one simple step uh, and you're changing on your daily habit, wouldn't that make a life change? I mean, we were seeing people in the study 18 to 22 pounds in just a short 90 days. That's just never happened. Yeah, that's amazing. And that'll change the, someone's perspective, someone's right. outlook, someone's attitude immediately. I mean, night and day. Uh, and you said something real important. You said people, one of those challenges is that people lose hope. When you try so many things and they don't work or they don't work for as long as they're supposed to, you begin to lose hope that things are ever going to change for you. I got to imagine that's probably one of the biggest hurdles you come across when you're speaking with people, right? You do. Well, most people lack confidence to go out and do a new job, a new challenge, maybe start a new career Mm -hmm. because they don't feel pretty. Mm -hmm. You know, being pretty on the inside, it doesn't just affect when you're a teenager and kid Mm -hmm. and the kid's making Mm -hmm. fun of you. You see 40, 50, 70-year-olds not feeling confident and they just don't look good. You know, two inches on somebody's face and they're... I call them little, uh, what is the funky little dog with the big, big jowls, uh, you know, the jowls? <laughs> the yeah, big I, dog. I know you're talking about, yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of women yeah. get that. Mm-hmm. And men, maybe not. They get it more in the stomach and the gut. But it doesn't make you look pretty and you don't feel as confident. Yeah. So your job is in risk. Your relationships are in risk. You may not go out at night with good friends and, and create those bonds yeah. that'll travel through the life of your book. You know, yeah. Everybody's got a journey in their book. Yeah. So I think it's very important uh, to feel great. You said something real key, feeling pretty. Right? Inside. Inside. <laughs> how that affects what's happening in externally on the outside. How you feel on the inside affects what's happening on the outside. That's brilliant. I appreciate you it's sharing that It's in your eyes. You'll notice, look at somebody's eyes. Mm. There is a gleam and there's not a gleam. Right. And when that gleam is not there, I feel like it's a hurt and there's a, a, a pain that they can't portray. And, you know, one thing with weight, it's so embarrassing. You right. wear it. You yeah. wear your greed yeah. <laughs> on your hips. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely, I, I used to be a personal trainer, and you're absolutely right. Um, people do sort of walk around with this, uh, this, this look of discouragement on the inside, and it affects their demeanor on the outside. But there are a lot of folks that are in the same space that you're in. So my question is, how is what you're doing different from others that are also in the same space? So Zelise is a company that is kind of changing the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all about absorption. I Mm -hmm. mean, we all take 
vitamins, we take some supplements, we take things, but it's not necessarily what you take, it's what your body will absorb. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to spend good earned money, you know, when you look at this industry, the hemp industry in whole, uh, there's just so much there that people don't know. Uh, There's 400 active nutrients in the plant. We understand there's over 100 cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. In those cannabinoids, we see it opening up receptors that we've never opened in our life. Um, We were talking earlier, earlier about how prior to 1937, one thing that's really fascinating is every single person pretty much had hemp in their body. Mm. Um, the cattle would have eaten it. Your chickens would have eaten it. You were required by law to grow hemp uh, if you had 20 acres or more. And hemp is like bamboo. It looks 10, 20 feet tall. And, of course, the marijuana side is the short and stocky. They're two different species. And most people don't understand that. Right. But then they also don't understand one other part. This plant is very sponge-like. So you don't want to just buy CBD or don't want to ever purchase hemp unless you know it's transparent, Mm -hmm. meaning it's third-party tested, U.S. Hemp Authority certified. And uh, I chose one that had the doctors, the clinical studies to prove it. And now that we've got this incredible product called Ultra Glow, it's been studied by the National Institute of Health and NIH, grant-funded double-blind, placebo-controlled clinical trial, and it was observed by Mayo Clinic. And 100 out of 100... Um, participants in the study lost weight, Wow! felt great, cognitive, and they didn't even know they were going to lose weight. That mm-hmm. was just an added benefit. Mm-hmm. And I've been on it, and I'm just shocked. I've been on it right at now, I guess, 13 days. I'm still down nine pounds, two inches in the waist. Wow. I know that's not typical, mm-hmm. but I neat thing is I didn't have to change much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you're a little excited because I've been trying to lose it for the last two years with everything going on. It and you've had happen. a chance to speak to a bunch of people that have had great successes over oh, the last couple of weeks as within well. Within days. Yeah. Within days. And yeah. uh, so we're super excited to finally have clinical proof. And mm-hmm. that's what people are looking for. And uh, very honored to be able to be an independent ambassador with Zelise. Well, I'm sure they're happy to have you too. And the people that you, whose lives you're going to impact uh, are also happy that you're a part of that organization and doing the things that you're doing. What would you say, though, are the common pitfalls? Um that you that you found people experience when they begin a weight loss regimen, they begin this health and wellness regimen, it doesn't pan out for them. Why doesn't it pan out for them? In your experience, what have you seen and heard are the pitfalls that most people face when they go on this journey? I think it's a psychological habit. Mm. You know, it's just like uh, you drive to work the same day or mm-hmm. the same way you go to the work. Or if you go for a walk in your neighborhood, you always go the same route. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we have the same habits. We walk by the refrigerator and it's like calling our name. Or we drive by McDonald's, the same McDonald's, and you're like, that's calling your name. And I think unless you break the cycle of those habits, where Glow actually is doing it for you. Mm-hmm. I like that. So I think the pitfall is the psychological in our last couple of minutes here, you're a cancer survivor, again, a successful multiple business owner. You're a health enthusiast. What advice would you share with our listener who is struggling in the areas that you've had success? Wow, that's a great question. Isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I've struggled in a lot. You know, I think most people don't understand that 
this journey that we live on is all about educating yourself, Mm -hmm. educating yourself on new opportunities, educating yourself and not being so close minded to new things. That's right. That's right. I think if you just learn to open up and say, you know, Lord, whatever you're going to give me, I need, give me wisdom. And he, he does it through people just like you in the show. You've done it through the show. You're educating. You're giving great value to individuals that maybe are stuck at home that get to hear this on the radio. I think what you just said, uh, Lee, is a mic drop. You, you, ultimately, you have to stay open, right? You've had successes in different businesses. You, you're, again, cancer survivor. Now you're having tremendous success and impacting the lives of people right now because you have remained someone that is open to new possibilities, new opportunities. And I think the minute that a person closes themselves off to anything that could be a blessing to them, they shoot themselves in the foot and others as well. So that's our mic drop for today. Lee Barnes, we appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to put your information up on the site. But how can people find you if they want to learn more information? Just jump over there, and I'm going to spell it out. It's Glow by Lee, G-L-O-W-B-Y-L-E-I-G-H. And I will give you one stick free, so call me. I'll be glad to take care of you. Folks, that wraps up another fantastic show. We'll catch you next Sunday for your hour of Thrive Time.